This is Moss Wheelan and Story in Mind. And there's a sliver of a moon. I'm trying to figure out if it's uh, waxing or waning. So let's see. Topic. Topic is uh, phobias. Uh, to start with and getting into looking at biases, things that characters are, say they don't like, right? Um, One person I know, they're very adamant against smoking and the tobacco, and then I uh, grew up around it. It's an odd thing, I have two minds about it. If I don't know the person, I don't, you know, I'm sort of offended <laughs> that they would be smoking. And uh, and yet if I know the person, you know, I will stand there. I won't even, you know, consider it as a... Which is odd. I've walked away from that going, you know, what hypocrisy uh, on my part. And part of, part of it is, is, for me, is this question, okay, well, where did that come from? Where does that bias uh, come from? Where do we pick that up? Uh, jumping to the extreme of, of the phobia. I'm, I'm, I'm immediately going to Islamophobia. I think, I think homophobia was even out there, but Islamophobia is more sort of present in my mind. Uh, which is which is interesting. Let's say, is it a is it a, an irrational fear uh, along the lines of you know say you know, being scared of spiders or something like that, uh, or is it more along the lines of something that's been manufactured, like say culturally or subculturally that you know you've. Uh, you've been included in or you've included yourself into something and and yeah a, a, a belief system so the phobias that I was initially thinking of it's we're starting off early I'm thinking uh, like say of, of say characters characters I've known characters I've had characters I've read that there's something in their past. I can remember seeing a Sherlock Holmes, actually a couple variations of, of Sherlock Holmes, but I believe the one I saw early on, I think it was called The 7% Solution. And it actually had one of my favorite actors. It's weird, sort of, I'm putting this together right now because uh, he did Merlin in Excalibur, the movie, and then, but the the original place I know him from is uh, doing this vinyl LP audiobook of uh, the Hobbit, and he did he did all the voices and dialects. It was great, and two, uh, it, it, it sort of got me thinking about. A sort of prejudice that say, you know, like an area of a, of a, yeah, of a country and how it's all divided up. That was my experience in Korea, or my understanding is that Korea is divided up into the, you know, the city people, countryside, uh, you know, the north people, the south people, west, east. And this is just within South Korea. And they have different ways of speaking and they are there's sort of like this the prejudice that you know each side has for the others and again you know there's this sort of uh, bias you know that characters carry around uh, preferences uh, ways of seeing uh, ways of defining one's identity oh well I'm you know such and such and so I'm supposed to be a certain way or this is how we are now I'm just thinking of uh, Vancouver 
versus back east and that we have these differences and I'll hear things about how like there's this history of difference and so strange because we're the same you know it's this big country but it's it's been you know chopped up uh so there's British Columbia, or BC, that Vancouver is in, and then beside it is Alberta. And we, and we both have these, you know, petty, vindictive things, and sort of like, uh, oh, you know, like say here we would say, oh, the Albertans, they're very uh, this, that, and the other thing. Like, and two, this is stereotype, uh, very, very right, right-wing. And then, of course, you meet people who are yeah, absolutely not. C'est la vie. And then you know, vice versa. I've met people here, even in Vancouver, <laughs> even in Vancouver, that are uh, right-wing. And then we've got all kinds of things like, uh, what is it called? Greenpeace. Greenpeace is from here and a bunch of other things. Okay, so phobias. So something like uh, arachnophobia. That my understanding is that there's there's two there's two types. There's irrational fears, and then ones that are actually rational. Um, that say there was some sort of experience, and this gets me back to the Sherlock Holmes. Um, I'm trying to remember the uh, the actor's name from the Seven Percent Solution, which is the movie. And, anyways, if you care, you can look it up. But in that one, we have this going back to a past trauma. No wonder I'm talking about this. <laughs> but um, to say that, say, there's these two types of fears, irrational. Uh, let's do Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones has has this fear of snakes. Where does that come from? I believe there was an actual TV show that they made of a young Indiana Jones starring River Phoenix. And... uh, I believe that there was this um, traumatic experience with snakes, for example. And then, say... Versus uh, the Sherlock Holmes movie I mentioned, there was this flashback at some point, and, and two, there was this explaining of uh, Sherlock Holmes's um, addiction, like where this addiction was coming from, this unresolved shock or trauma or um, something that had been observed, if memory serves correctly. Okay. So in the case of Indiana Jones and the Snakes, it's, there was either this irrational fear, just this dislike that there's something about uh, these snakes that just um, doesn't work. I, and too, I'm, in, in this instance, I'm thinking of uh, people who they'll see a pattern of dots and they'll actually see, the, the, to them, the dots start to it seems like they're breathing and they have this really uh, they feel nauseous and it's an actual thing I remember someone being on a TV show once and these dots came up and they had this revulsion and the hosts of this show it was sort of like say comedians in a faux game show and you know, really, it's just a chance for entertainers to get together and promoting promoting stuff. But anyways, so this pattern of dots, uh, the person was actually mocked for this, right? They were like, you know, what? Are you kidding us? And da 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 da. Which was which was a little sad because, uh, you know, ob- obviously, you know, it disturbed the person. And two, it, <laughs> of course, you don't want to reveal stuff around comedians who are sort of in the zone 
right. You know, they're being, you know, vicious to each other, attempting to um, insult, and not even attempting. So I, I'm more, say, going for the irrational with describing these, these, this pattern of dots, and that there's, a, say, a group of people who are affected by this, that when they see a pattern, um, a series of dots, and that they have this, they have this reaction. It's almost like this magnification of pores. That's one thing I was thinking. I was looking at it going, I've seen optical illusions like that. Okay. Uh, so the, the irrational is more of, I want to argue, say, it's a genetic. There's something going on that it's just built in, hardwired uh, into that person. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's their mutation Maybe it's their, uh, that they're carrying this, this um, kind of like a survival response. And say, let's say it's, it's intended for something, but perhaps it's sort of, uh, for example, I can remember a while, years ago hearing about an example of <clears throat> a baby seeing a fur coat in a quarter, corner and, the, and it's not moving or anything, it's just sort of in a pile in the corner. And the baby getting really upset at seeing this. And, and the question was there, I think it had to do with uh, nurture versus nature. Which is an interesting place to be ending up talking about. So, uh, nurture versus nature. And do I remember, I think it's Margaret Mead... And this was the sort of the proponent, um, the this anthrop an anthropology. So this woman, this anthropologist, had gone and studied. Uh, I'm trying to think, it might have been something like uh, Polynesian uh, Polynesian culture, and she was putting forward this notion, this theory of. Uh, nature versus nurture, nurture versus nature, and so the nature part of it would be that you are just naturally doing something, that it's not by design and you're not taught it. So it's 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 this physical thing. It's in your DNA. It's yeah. So it's natural versus uh, nurture. And nurturous things you're picking up from, uh, and to it, that say it can be shaped by environment, like say how you do things, that uh, you know being season, seasonally affected by um, climate, say, for example. What am I thinking of? In the case of the Polynesian people, that say that you know there's times of year where you can do certain things. Very much like really anywhere that we have these uh, limitations imposed on us. That there's things that um, we're able to do and then not. Um, one extreme example is, say, uh, uh, space flight and colonization. Uh, Earth is protected by the magnetosphere. And my understanding is that it's the the spin of the magma inside the earth creates this force field <laughs> of, of uh, yeah, of electromagnetic uh, energy that repels uh, radiation. Of course, you know, some's getting through, but it's repelling enough that we can uh, exist. But if we go beyond it, all of a sudden, we're at the mercy of nature. Which is into, it's an interesting way to think of it because the notion of going to Mars and colonizing Mars is uh, hampered by radiation because it doesn't have, I think my understanding is say it doesn't have 
as much of a magnetosphere or nothing. And that, you know, the radiation is just bombarding uh, the planet. And to uh, space flight as well. You know, as soon as we leave Earth. So there's, so there's something that, there's a limitation that is imposed on us. And yet we nurture this, this idea of colonization, right? Of exploration, getting out there. Uh, you know, that it's, it's, it's part of what we do. You know, we've gone from isolated communities now to this global perspective. And now moving towards this beyond. Oh, Moss, keep dreaming. Okay, so how does this apply to uh, characters? I think, it, I think it is good in the sense of uh, providing limitations. For example, um, Superman, I think I gave this before, where Superman is limited by um, kryptonite. And as I go along, I'm sure I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out something else. So that, that, that's a physical limitation. But, and so, see, you know, the, the nature side of it, but the nurture side of it is that he has moral code. Uh, he's not in the same, what is it called, um, category as, say, Batman, who is not bound by this code. Uh, sort of personal laws, like, say, how you're supposed to behave, etc., etc. And so these, uh, these limitations define a person. And, and by that, a character. So we started with uh, phobias. That, you know, these phobias are, are defining our character. Going back to, I think the examples I gave, Indiana Jones, the snake, and then uh, Sherlock Holmes is an addict. And was there another one in there? There's, I, there's always another example. But it, it, it is something to ask of the character. Like, say, okay, what, what is it that's in their way? And why? Uh, and two, that <laughs> it's got to come up. It's, it's a weird thing because, say, doing, you know, the backstory for your character. That it's, it's important to actually use it uh, along the lines of Chekhov's gun. So Chekhov's gun was all about, okay, you've got, you've introduced something. You've actually got to do something with it. It's not neutral. Uh, why? Because the, in, in Chekhov's play, there's a gun firearm on the wall. And fortunately, unfortunately, we, uh, audiences, readers, have expectations you know, it's a big deal. Uh, if if there's, <laughs> otherwise it, w- it shouldn't be there. It's a distraction, right? And it, and it sets up this expectation. You could you could you could come back to it. I think I've used this before. I've talked about this, but you could come back to it, you know, and sort of uh, keep coming back to it. And okay, you know, they ta- say they're talking about the gun. We learn a lot about the gun. Uh, and, and that that's its arc. Maybe we can figure out some kind of arc where it never gets used. But the, the real dramatic uh, experience is that, you know, at some point, there is this expectation that at some point it's going to get used. And so let's see, what am I thinking about uh, to take that as far as like phobias and biases? Uh, when we're at the beginning, we're at the ordinary world, first act of the story. It's it's all about com- being comfortable, 
staying comfortable, uh, being forced out of your comfort zone, and you know all of the things that bother you and all of your biases, that those get um, tested. We're going to encounter them. They're going to get in our way. The, the big, of course, the big bias would be, you know, persona or ego, where who we are gets in the way of, of what we've got to accomplish. And there we're getting transformation. For our guy, Indiana Jones, we have... Right. We have Indiana Jones, and I think we learn right at the beginning of the narrative, uh, the movie, that uh, I, think, I think there's a snake in the seat of the plane. So he's you know, running to the plane, the plane's where he want, wants to be, gets into the plane, and you know, we, we get to see him reacting to this snake. You know, here's this you know, strong adventurer. Uh, and then much later we see him in a room of snakes that he falls into. And now I'm, th- I'm just sort of going, do we, do we take that to a third? There is probably th- a three beats rule of three, but um, I'm, just not, I'm just not seeing it at the moment. And two, I'm sort of wondering, okay, well, what... What is that? What is the ultimate purpose? I think in both instances it has to do with escape, that getting away from conflict, um, sort of b- being in a dangerous situation, and all of a sudden we're confronted with uh, this thing that is. Uh, this part of ourself that is, you know, it's like this wall, this hurdle that we have to get across. If we don't, <laughs> just things, things are just going to stay horribly wrong and uh, get worse. It sort of ratchets up the, uh, the threat, the tension, the suspense. It's like, you know, oh yeah, he's, you know, fallen into this pit, you know, Oh, that's terrible. And then, you know, he, it's, now it's just it's quadruple worse. Ten times worse. A hundred times worse. I, I have a feeling, too, that it helps the reader to associate. Because we all have things that we're afraid of. And I'm just thinking... Uh, even just, say, the, the everyday one, like uh, speaking in public, and there's, there's this common knowledge, uh, you know, pop statistics, right, that most people would rather die than do public speaking, and I have done public speaking, I can do public speaking, I probably will do public speaking again. It's not something where I'm lining up. But that said, I, I was on a panel. I was on panels at science fiction convention. So, um, but in my case, it has to do with, you know, I, I was really geared up. I was really like, oh my gosh, this is just so much fun. Uh, and two, I did some stuff, visualization, uh, imagining, sort of being successful even just in sort of like a relaxed state, that things were just going okay. They didn't have to be super duper or anything like that. Okay. So our characters uh, get scared of stuff. And how, how about, say, the opposite? That uh, traumatic events or even sort of the unexplainable that there is the opposite, whereas there's this, I guess it would be a, 
Instead of a phobia, it would be a philia. Uh, in the sense of, like, say, I think it's anglof- anglophilia? No, anglophilia. But say somebody who, who's really enthusiastic about British stuff. And even more so, an example would be Paris Syndrome. Which, you know, that I think is a great example because that's, that is this huge build-up. It is a philia of... Uh, <laughs> I, keep, I keep on thinking of philias. I'm just like, no, don't talk about that one. Don't talk about that one. Paris Syndrome. Uh, I've talked about that a couple times, I think, where, you know, people have this idea of France and Paris in their mind. And say they've, they've read books, they've seen the tourist, uh, um, what is it called, uh, material, you know, posters and stuff like that. Uh, Eiffel Tower images, uh, I think it's the City of Lights, or no, City of Love, that's it, City of Love. And there's a long history there. So... Uh, yeah. I I felt relieved. I sort of... I already had this bias. I went there, and I went, yeah, it's just like anywhere else. You know, the people who live there, uh, they're exactly like the people in Vancouver. No, 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 Moss, the French, they are this way and that way. Uh, not really. (laughs) I got a chance to chat, you know, a number of times and you know they're human beings uh they have political biases and you know people in the city are one way and then outside it's on a train and in the countryside and somebody was complaining about the oh don't go to the city paris everybody there is crazy so that that would be the flip side and and where does that come from where does that notion of if I go to that place or, or if I have an experience like such and such, that, that it will be very rewarding and enjoyable. And uh, with Paris Syndrome, it's, it's this uh, you know, unrealistic expectation. But the thing that interests me is the desire that's behind it. Because uh, it's a symptom. So what's the cause? And... And then, the, and then the big letdown uh, is that, you know, people are um, uh, incredibly disappointed. Not just disappointed, but, you know, they're actually having meltdowns and being taken to the hospital. Uh, beca- because the, the, their hopes and dreams have been shattered. And yeah, and so my interest is, well, what... Where does that come from? Part of it, too. I think it's a combination of nature versus na- nurture. That we're hardwired for this stuff. Uh, that we have drives. And then... So that's the... That's the nature part of the equation. But then we also have this social uh, part of it. That we have this, you know, raising ourselves. It's an interesting way of thinking about it or saying that uh, say you know children are being brought up in a, in a way um, and two sort of like this natural national identity versus say subcultures within uh, be the be they religious or otherwise and and so it seems to be these two extremes these two poles and then on one end of the is it's this I too I, I keep wanting to say it's irrational you know even though you know something bad happened with spiders years ago it's it still influences oh I don't like such and such I'm just trying to think of of uh, a, 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 an example uh I had found this baby bird, cute, you know, so small, and 
and it, it was it was on the ground, so I picked it up. I wasn't sure what to do with it yet, and took it with me. And uh, I saw a student, and I showed it to the student, and they freaked out. They did not see it the way I saw it. Right? I saw it as this small, cute thing, and they saw it as this, you know, bacteria monster, something. Uh, and two, I don't know if it was irrational or if it was rational, right, that they had some kind of um, problem with birds. Maybe they were attacked. I don't know. All right. <laughs> and so, so I had to leave. <laughs> See, take, take the bird to safety. Okay. So stories and stories and plots. And so where can we use uh, these uh, delicious tools? These phobias and philias. Well, in, in both cases, they're working against the... Um, the character or characters. It'd be great too to figure out, and to I think if you do something like a series, then you're going to have more opportunities to explore. It's like, oh hey, I, you know, once again I get to, you know, sort of figure out these people and and what's what's wrong, what's the conflict. Uh, in the case of birds, it could be something like. Uh, being forced into um, an occupation that involves birds. Uh, like, say, you know, the only job in town is working for this bird collector, right? And so you hate birds. Uh, and two, it might not come up uh, initially. I'm just thinking of the new streaming show, uh, The Mandalorian where we have established early, we have a setup that the main character, the Mandalorian, does not like robots. And in, in essence, there's, there's three beats. There's this setup, development, and payoff. Uh, but also say, it's pivotal, like Chekhov's gun. There's this economy we're, you know, we're not going to get into stuff that isn't uh, essential to the plot, necessary. Or the story. Because this sort of bias or prejudice, or even phobia, it, it's internal. So we have all kinds of stuff externally, but, you know, this is part of the internal arc. That that's something I'd like to argue, is that uh, phobias and philias are part of this transformation, in, internal, inward transformation going on. Uh, even if it's just a thread of consideration. So that can provide some, some depth to the character, so we're not all surface, surface, surface. so much to say and I'm so critical of my own stuff sort of like you know looking back I had somebody tell me recently just you know break off the rear view mirror right I was like yeah yeah just you know forget about it keep going okay so characters their internal situation I like as well that we have um, two plus characters is that right? yeah that they, they both have this uh, this balancing act once again going on they have a problem and a passion that that are both uh, based on desire right? one's a fear and then the other is a um yeah, desire. Straight up sort of fascination.
I, um, I talked with some uh, fetish people a while ago. And it wasn't anything really extraordinary, but they were attempting to... <laughs> I don't know if they were trying to convert me, but they were uh, laying out this argument that, just briefly, right, while we were talking, you know, all of a sudden they got on the topic. And two, maybe they were trying to suss me out, like sort of, you know, oh, you know, what's, what's Moss's philia, right? What's he into? It's like writing... And of course, you know, everybody's more, it's, you know, it's more than that. But as an example going off in that direction, let's get away from the fetishists. Which is not true, because everyone is. Like, we have, we have our thing that we do. An exploration of uh, writing fetishism would be uh, having this idea of the author, having this idea of the writer... Um, the person who is, they could be, you know, the tortured poet, you know, the artist, uh, you know, the suffering artist, the uh, poor um, genius, etc., etc. But that, that we have this fascination, uh, you know, and too, you know, it's not the real person, it's this uh, invention that we share, you know, this, uh, what's it called? cult of personality a role and two it's just, you know the social role that this person takes on uh, I'm there too part of my connection to that is that I grew up around people who were reading all the time all the time Moss well just enough to make it seem like it was all the time it was either raining or they were reading books <laughs> Or was it the same thing? When it was reading... Uh, ooh, that was interesting. When it was reading, they were raining books. So, it, you, early on, I saw books as uh, captivating uh, the attention of those who I was you know, seeking to gain attention from. I can remember like, bothering my mother and just going... Mom, mom, mom. And she was like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I, I just want to finish, you know, this chapter or this page or whatever it was. Scene. Uh, and, and we're all there in one way or another, right? We're just absorbed by uh, whatever we're doing. Preoccupied. I'd, I'd just like to say that there is this kind of difference. Uh, occasionally I have this a bout of success and sort of like, oh, I'm not successful because successful is you're that, you're, you know, you're in the cult of personality. People tell you that you're successful, right? You know, and, you know, oh, your book is so successful and you're successful and uh, there's money in the bank and there's interviews and you have rabid fans. But uh, that's something like say the true success and so this is me attempting to uh, condition you know <laughs> brainwashing condition uh, that, that that it's 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 the it's the journey so it's the writing it's the having those experiences where you're in the zone the flow state that that's the true success and that that's really why I'm doing all of this and there there is there is this false success so I'm sort of wrestling with that and into the great contrast is making something that you're pleased with and yeah, you know, you could change it for other people, but if you can get, if you can be doing something that you uh, authentically, right, not sort of, you know, ego-driven stuff where, you know, look, look what I did, right? You have to show other people. It's like no, no, this is nothing. But it's not about anybody else. It's just about doing, doing the work, and two, doing the play. Okay. I keep wanting to go and sort of 
you know, let's explore, let's explore the author, the writer, let's, let's unpack that, let's, what does that mean even? To be, to be conscious of, to be conscious of, of one's own extremes in the sense of, you know, what we're afraid of and what we uh, are, what we desire, that that's helpful. And too, I'm wondering how much, like say how much a character can actually be objective and step out of that experience or are they locked into it which which really is the resistance to a character's transformation does a character have to transform there's got to be a change i think it's more realistic if we're not you know completely bypassing say a phobia that the phobia continues on but there has been this that you know that it's it's not so bad or the phobia continues on just as much but like say with you know addressing arachnophobia fear of spiders that this person has been able to confront their fear uh, and and accomplish this goal it would be great too to see them early on being hampered or hobbled by the fear but that they have this brief moment of it's possible you know and of course the phobia is still there and it's going to it's going to get in the way again but at least they've had this sort of moment of getting getting past it and i'm just thinking of things though like public speaking where, you know, yeah, yeah, you go do the public speaking, and it's awful. <laughs> and then what if, it's like, oh, you know, you, you don't feel like, you don't feel like things have changed. And I think the one, one area of change or one example would be, in the case of public speaking, it's Toastmasters or something like that, where... You're with a group of other people who want to improve their public speaking. And, uh, you know, sort of sharing techniques and uh, getting used to it. That it's a sort of a safe environment for that to happen. I'm just remembering one of the... I was going to say crustaceans, but that's not very nice. One of the old guys from uh, my community uh, was going to Toastmasters, but I, right away I was I was going. Uh, you know, there's probably ulterior motives uh, than you know just getting better at public speaking because uh, this guy is uh, quite good already. But then too, that could be a facade. You know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. There's there's a story there. Ah, uh, right. So how are we doing? Oh, okay. We're getting closer to wrapping up. There's a little bit of mist at the moment. I, it's it's evening, and uh, there's actually some bright lights on the this grass. And I can see that there's this little layer of mist. And it's actually, there is a sort of fog in the air, but it's not much. Uh, More and more, I seem to be aware of living by the ocean. Whereas before, you know, I was, it's only if I would walk down to the the seaside, then I would, hey, it's Pacific Ocean time. Okay. So let's wrap this up. And why do this? Why do why do phobias? Why do limitations? Why have characters limited? Uh, 
it can be used against them. You know, sort of finding their Achilles heel. Uh, Achilles heel, so Achilles, Trojan, uh, story of Troy. Uh, it was called the Iliad, Greek. It was written by Homer, supposedly. Uh, Homer might be uh, actually a woman or might be a group of people. But uh, Achilles had been dipped into the river Styx, I think, which is in the underworld. Mother takes the baby down there. And uh, that sounds like a hero's journey unto itself. So she dips the baby in the river, which protects him, like makes his skin like armor, um, or even stronger. Except she was holding his ankle, or his heel. So that's where Achilles' heel. And Achilles goes on to be this superhero, pretty much. Uh, demigod I think we can say demigod because his mother was like a minor god s goddess so yeah finding out that information the information could be secret uh, and then and then it becomes known oh geez now I'm going to an extreme the other extreme nearby extreme uh, Samson Samson and Delilah Samson, what's your strength? Don't tell anyone, it's my long hair. Okay. Um, can a book, an entire book, be built around these two poles of um, phobia and philia? I think so. I, I have this impulse to, to go for the extreme, that the character has this full-on transformation, that they, you know, they, 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 they go to the next level, or all the way. They go, you know, they hit nirvana, right? They're, they go to paradise. Uh, you know, everything is over, and it's time to start, you know, this, this brand-new adventure. Uh, problems with that. It can be difficult to go back. It, like, say, if you're considering doing a series, right? So instead of ending on a realistic, you know, note. Uh, that said, people do, you know, real people. Uh, there's many stories where characters are going through uh, realistic uh, problems. You know, say, you know, the cancer patient. Whether it's a you know, it could be a tragedy in one sense and then a comedy in another, right? That, you know, a person, is, or sorry, character, dies at the end, and yet, because of this, you know, because of the proximity they've been giving this time, uh, that they actually are alive, they're living, they're, um, they're realizing what, you know, what, what the value of life is. You should really be saying this to yourself, Moss. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> We've got a great thing going here. Uh, and two, I, do, I like that conflict that I mentioned. That say, that here's, a, here's a person who's, you know, they're being shoved out of your ordinary, their, you know, the comfortable. Uh, this is it, right? You know, they've got this disease, they've only got a little while to live. You know, uh, what's the point to it? Yeah, that's, you know, that's the ultimate adventure. And I could hear somebody somewhere saying, you know, I don't believe you. Ah, you know, I don't like that story. But it's just as an example. It's not, <laughs> it's not written in stone. You must afflict the character with a disease. Stakes. Uh, I had to define. I think I'm still working on defining stakes, and that was part of my screenplay writing manual. Uh, my story can beat up your story, by Sketcha, and he talks about the, the stakes character, the character who, you know, everything's riding on the on the safety and welfare of of a character. Um, 
you know, say, someone who the protagonist cares about, a, a representative of, say, an organization or something that's important to the main character. What are the stakes? I can remember being asked that in film school. And so the stakes are um, the chance uh, of success. And placing, placing the stakes or the stakes character in danger um, impels the character, gets the character moving, forces them to do stuff. And our phobias and philias can totally get in the way. Uh, you know, the gambler, you know, wants to go to the casino. He's just walking, you know, running, running by, and suddenly sees the casino, and she's like, oh, I'll just have one spin of the roulette wheel, you know. But they've got to go save the day. Uh, that's a that's a bad example, but it's actually a perfect example. Uh, fear. There's something to be said there about about fear, phobias, philias, and that it's tied to uh, the primitive and the primeval, and uh, it's tied to you know fight and flight, uh, getting pushed into a corner, and being you know forced to confront uh, this stuff. Uh, from the subconscious, the subconscious, the unconscious. Uh, and, you know, of course, we, we don't want to. And that's, you know, classic hero's journey. You know, we, don't, <laughs> we don't want to go out there. We don't want to do the thing. We, we don't want to save the day. And two, what will it take to get the character there, you know, to confront their fears uh, and to, you know, sabotage their, their uh, philias. Uh, and to confronting this kind of stuff through characters. Number one, it, you know, it's very relevant to myself, so I keep coming back to sort of, you know, self-observation. Is that with a big S or a small S? I think that would be a small S. Uh, the big S is it's the big stuff. Ooh, the mist is, is getting thicker. This is cool. It's almost like the, the, the grass is glowing. Okay. It shapes the character. Um, Phobias and feelings shape the character and give depth to the character, um, give that roundness, the three-dimensional. I'm just thinking now of just in the last, yeah, we've got seven minutes, I'm just thinking of a character who's you know they're afraid of something, but but they're also sort of attract. Like, can you have a kind of combination, like sort of a revulsion, but also this attraction? There's something sublime about that, actually. I'm just imagining that that the the person is. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it, it would be. It would be say, yeah. So say, uh, it could even be like romantic and going, you know, oh, you know, I really like that person. But there's something about them, you know, that they, they're doing something or they are something that is repellent. That's interesting. You know, that's interesting. And, uh, and two, that's a story seed. That whole relationship, that's, that's an arc unto itself of uh, what's going to happen. Uh, what, which one is more powerful? And on that note, 
The philia, though, is... It's... <laughs> I almost said unnatural, but it is natural, right? It's, it's this drive that we have, and... It, it, messes, it messes us up, and we, you know, we have this uh, craving to go you know, and get involved in something. Or something. And it could lead to things like, say, blowing our savings you know, in order to you know, have all the good model trains. Uh, collectors, right? Collectors, for example. And, and that's where I end up. That's where I go back to is looking at people and that say we are given these problems like nature gives us these problems and nurture gives us these problems and you know we can spend our lives uh, coming to terms with them <laughs> making decisions like I have enough model trains <laughs> I'm satisfied and, you know, if I keep going this route, I will never be satisfied. Oh, but also, too, that the wonderful therapy of something like that, say, these people who build uh, huge, um, you know, they, they build models of places, and, you know, th there's this creativity going on. But I'm, I'm more talking about, like, obsession, and uh, obsession, revulsion. Uh, extremes like pyromaniacs who are, you know, they're driven to set things and set places on fire. Uh, what's that called? There's a sort of, um, like say I want to sort of go from there and say, what that whole thing is as far as in the, in the case of uh, pyromaniacs you know what you know a mania where is that coming from and two there's this legal re revulsion right or a social revulsion to behavior that is Sure, deviant, right? It's it's outside of the norm. You know, people don't want their places burnt down, cars set afire, and yet uh, it seems like if if there's a potential for that, there's always somebody out there who's going to, you know, that they're just driven to do that. Uh, there's people who work too much a uh, workaholic you know and on one hand you sort of go well you know is that possible isn't, isn't that a good thing don't you want to be like that but it's obsessive and it, it, it's got to you know sort of drive one to ruin in some way maybe physical health or uh like social relationships. Yeah, it's just a little misty out. It's not... We do get fog here that obliterates sometimes. Just, you know, you can't see anything. So famous last words about... Famous last words about phobias and philias. I think I started too with, uh, I mentioned biases and um, parts of ourselves that are less extreme, that we're not, we're not necessarily driven, but we just have these preferences that are also uh, unusual. I've met, over my 50 years, I've met a, uh, a diverse group of people and a, you know, totally, uh, in a way, each of them is alien 
And even when I'm sitting down with family, there's this difference that I notice. Uh, and two, that, that, can, that can rise to frustration and uh, conflict. Bias. So even in a gentle sense, a minute sense, we still have this uh, conflict going on. And, uh, and two, that the, the conflict can be revulsion or this uh, attraction uh, to, to something, to a person, to a thing, an event, a place. And, and that it creates this conflict. I think the last thought I have is, oh, I can't remember the word, but it's, uh, it has to do with that you have stuff going on inside that is not socially acceptable. And I'd like to say that most people are, you know, uh, that it's not taking, o- taking over, but then say we do have people who can marshal it and, you know, turn it into something that's um, socially acceptable, uh, redeemable, like challenge it. Channel it. There we go. All right. Take care.